physical media and entertainment from the silver screen to the palm of your hand. What is going on, everybody, from screen to shelf? My name is Will. I'm here with Gabe and Chase. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween, this guys. Happy Halloween. Yeah, this, this is our last episode of October Spooky Month, and we're, we're topping off the month with one of our, not only one of our favorite movies to start off, but uh, one of my personal favorites. I know, Chase, it's one of your favorites as well. Gabe, I'm, I'm sure you hold as much admiration for it as we do. Oh, for sure. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the decorations I have behind me, we are going to be talking about the 1978 John Carpenter classic, Halloween. <laughs> and Let's we're go. also going to be... Yeah, we're going to be talking about David Gordon Green's trilogy as well, uh, seeing as there was a recent physical media release that's fresh on everybody's mind. So we figured we're going to talk about the uh, 78 film and what it means to each of us and what our relationship is with it and talk about the uh, David Gordon Green trilogy. David Gordon Green is hot right now, coming off of, you know, uh, more recently Exorcist Believer, but I think uh, Halloween Ends is still relatively fresh in everyone's minds. So uh, he's been... Uh, He's been on quite a run with the projects that he's been uh, been given, so we figured it'd be nice to kind of segue into that and talk about those films for a little bit. And we uh, will save another episode for uh, the other classics, you know, Halloween Two and, and the rest of the original um, films from the '80s and '90s. So we figured we'd uh, we'd save that for a later time. But we're gonna start off with '78, Gabe. I'm gonna hand it over to you, and uh, if you want to pick up and let us know yeah. what what you think about '78 and. 78 is my favorite one. I mean, that's pretty apparent, I think, for most people. But 78 is definitely my favorite one. The The first time I remember watching it, I think it was around the time Halloween H2O was coming out. And the only reason I wanted to see it was because I think it was coming out in theaters and my sister was going to go see Halloween H2O. A whole bunch of her friends were going to go watch it. Uh, this is my older sister. So I, I was kind of jealous. I'm like, oh, she has her friends. They're going to go see it at theaters. And um I was still a little like scared of watching Halloween, so to speak, but I, I still kind of just ventured on my own and and found it and uh, watched it, and it, it did creep me out a little bit. I think the stalking scenes are what creeped me out the most growing up. Just especially like I, I always thought after watching that movie the first week after watching it that someone was like outside my window, just kind of like stalking me. Um, that that those were like the most horrifying scenes. Like the, the actual kills didn't bother me too much growing up. But just that notion of like someone stalking you, like walking around your house, just peeping through your window, like that creeped me the hell out. Um, so I saw that that was the first time I saw 78. So like I, I think I was like, wait, what? Yeah, I was like nine or 10 years old when I saw it. That's kind of crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just remember a whole bunch of my friends, everyone was like super stoked about Halloween. I was like, what's Halloween? And because and, I had a whole bunch of buddies in middle school and and people that were starting middle school so everyone was in this like halloween thing and i was like let me get into it and it's it, it definitely stuck with me for sure the the stalking thing is something i'll never forget it's just one of those things that kept me up at night but um i, I love 78 i think it's 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 probably one of my top five horror movies i know for you will that it's it's probably number one for sure um mm -hmm. but i i, I think the it brought something different where it just wasn't kind of like, you know, this kind of like slash gore kind of thing. It was like just this kind of paranoia, claustrophobia kind of deal. Um, and, and just, again, I, I can't stress it enough. Just that whole, the, the whole stalking thing kind of creeped me out a little bit. Um, and I think, I think, uh, and we talked about this with the Friday the 13th franchise. You see other franchises started to take from that, the whole stalking thing, first person camera kind of deal. Um, so I, I think it was very unique in that regard. Um, 
but it, it's something that stayed with me, man. I watch it every Halloween. Sometimes maybe like once or twice a year I'll watch it. Um, it. It's a solid film all the way through, and it has good characters. I think that's another reason I like it, because I'm not, you guys know I'm not into like 100% camp. I need some like good plot and character structure and all that stuff. So Laurie Strode's a great character. Some of the other uh, legacy characters are also pretty interesting. So it, it's a solid franchise, and I think 78 was a great Kickstarter to that and brought something different that we hadn't seen before. So um, the stalking thing is definitely a thing that creeps me out. And sometimes even now today, like I, I kind of like, you know, when it's Halloween, and it gets dark. I'm kind of like still like peeping out my window sometimes. Like you never know, man. You never know if some crazy psychiatric patient is just like stalking your house. Who knows? <laughs> but but Chase, what about you, man? 1978 Halloween. I actually got a hold of that one like r- way later uh, for 1978. Uh, the Rob Zombie ones were coming out. And I I liked them up until I actually got a hold of the mainline franchise, like the Rob Zombie ones. I thought they were great until I saw the other ones. Um, 1978 has a special place in my heart. I actually didn't watch it too not too long ago. It's not like super recent, but probably about eight years ago, which I feel like in terms of like getting a hold of classic mainline horror versus what I did like uh, people that I've been listening. Like I got a hold of freaking Saw when I was like eight or nine. You would think I'd pick something a little bit less gruesome like uh, Halloween 78. Uh, but yeah, I really liked it. It was whenever I was going through a bender of trying to catch up on the mainline slashers and stuff like that. And yeah, it's not my favorite in the franchise. I will give a honest shout out to season of the witch. That one I love. Um, it is my favorite Michael Myers one for sure, but I love season of the witch for how different it was and everything. But going back to the original, um, Whenever you go back and you look at the the timeline of slashers and how many things were done differently, you had things like uh, I believe Mother's Day was coming out uh, not too far off from that time frame. You had Black Christmas, which really um, was an ode to the modern slasher, and then Halloween wasn't too far off from there. So without any of those three movies, you really wouldn't even have Friday the 13th or anything. It, it's influenced not even just horror cinema, but cinema in general. And the biggest thing that I absolutely love about it is John Carpenter's score. Um, that's one of the biggest reasons oh, yeah. I tend to put in those discs, especially like the Scream Factory releases. Some of those have newly mastered Atmos tracks, and they just absolutely slap. Those are great, you know. Um, the classic uh, Halloween theme, everything along those lines. Uh, I, I will say on, on a little bit of a goofier note, I know you guys have heard me say this about the mainline Halloween or the 1978 Halloween there's just some goofy moments that as time has passed, like whenever Michael Myers is driving the car and, oh yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> you know, like, uh, uh, I believe even, uh, somebody pointed this out to me and it completely went over my head, but somebody even pointed out that Dr. Loomis even points that out in the original one. Where did he learn to drive? Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, man, for yeah. real, like, you know, behind bars for all this time. And of course that doesn't take away from it, but I feel like that's probably something people tend to overlook, you know, John Carpenter, um, even in Christine and some of his other movies tends to put a little bit of a, something to break the, the, the darkness of whatever's going on mm-hmm. in the film, the seriousness. Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't tend to have the utmost serious things, but he has some overlooked comedy in some of his movies. And so I wanted to shout that out for sure, because that's always the scene I look forward to when Michael Myers is like turned to the side and just strolling at like five miles per hour. I just can't help but laugh every hey, time he's, it happens. He's absolutely crazy, but he's great at abiding traffic laws. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. He got his license for a reason, right? So, um, yeah, the the score is really the biggest shout out. 
I will say, like, Michael Myers never tend to um, scare me or anything like that. Like, he definitely had, like, uh, Gabe, you said it perfectly. It was the stalking aspect. I don't believe in any any of them, and especially the ones we're talking about. Like, he runs um, in any of these. He's he's a slow stalker, menacing, more um, slow-paced, methodical. Or I wouldn't say, like, methodical. He just has a butcher knife, and he's going at you. But, like, his placement is very strategical. I like how John Carpenter did that in the original. Um, I will say a shout out to the Laurie Strode scene whenever I want to say it's in her bedroom. I could be misremembering. And then the body comes down. That scared the hell out of me. Um, That was a good little scare whenever that happened in the house. That's the house across the street, right? Where Nancy's babysitting. Yeah. Yeah. When she she goes over there to figure out what's going on because she hasn't heard from her. And, you know, house is dark. And yeah, that's when it. uh, Yeah, that part scared the hell out of me. Yeah, Yeah. it is just so well done. And and like, especially I I keep talking about the the Scream Factory release. Those are movies like that. Like I know some people like movies in their more raw form, but it's scenes like that that definitely elevate, especially whenever if you're watching on an OLED or even if you aren't, the HDR adds an added layer of depth to the black levels that like I remember watching it and it being one of the most stonewashed, grayed out scenes where it looked like, mm-hmm. you know, it was just, you know, white sprinkled in and stuff. And whenever you get an amazing remaster and re-release like the Scream Factory Halloween set, uh, it just adds to it. The black levels, you know, the spookiness, the creepiness, how you would see being in that room at that same time, you know, it mm-hmm. adds a layer of reality to it and not just a layer of cinema. You know what I mean? So... Yeah, John Carpenter's uh, Halloween, I mean, it's cemented not even just horror cinema, but cinema in general is one of the greatest films, and it's influenced so many other things that aren't horror, and it's, I mean, even if it's not your cup of tea, you've got to recognize it as a masterpiece for sure. Will, 1978, what was the first time you saw it, man? It was, I was young, I think I've talked about this before on uh the discord we we did a um i think it was one of the giveaways when someone uh mentioned that they wanted everybody to talk about their favorite horror movie i've, I've talked about mm-hmm. it before it's definitely my favorite i know it's nowhere near a, a perfect film i mean one could say that there's horror movies that are technically executed better but uh i think the first time i saw it i, I must have been six or seven years old um oh, wow. my dad used to show me and my brother horror movies like that started at such a young age he used to record them like he used to have vhs tapes oh yeah the old school I, way I, yeah, and I remember, like, he would record a lot of movies on, like, AMC and, and A&E, like, way, way back in the day. Mm-hmm. I just remember seeing it, like, I must have been six or seven, maybe eight. I was young. Um, but, you know, I, I remember what Chase was saying about how Jigsaw, like, really scared him when he first got into horror. I, I can say the same thing about Michael Myers, you know. I think it was just the something about just, like, the white mask just really freaked me out, you know. And I, I think it was more that it... it it didn't necessarily have any features. It wasn't like Jason or Freddy or any of the other horror villains that we've come to know or like slashers where, you know, there's a distinct um, personality or a distinct characteristic of like Jason's is, is a hockey mask. You know, Freddy's got the burned face, whereas with Michael, we never see his face. So I think he's unique in that regard. Um, and yeah, the, the white mask just creeped me out and, and the stalking scenes, how he's there one minute and then gone, you know, and then kudos to uh, the editing, you know, and, and, Dean Cundy and John Carpenter for for making it seem like he was much more of a ghost in certain aspects than he was a human being in some of those scenes, especially like during the daylight. I remember the scene where uh, Laurie's in, I think it's in her room, and he's outside, and it's a seminal moment. It's when they're the 
clotheslines are hanging there and you have all the bed sheets and he's standing there and then he's just gone. You know, there's something yeah. about that that just really creeped me out. You know, and I had seen some of the sequels around that time as well, but and my memory's a bit foggy. But yeah, just the mask like really stood out to me. Uh, and then when I was older, when I was in high school, you know, rediscovering all those movies, I just fell in love with with the character of Michael Myers and, and Laurie Strode as well. I just think that that movie uh, set up so many other tropes for the rest of the slasher genre. Now, you know, we have to give credit to Black Christmas and Texas Chainsaw, obviously, you know, preceding that film. Um, and we've talked about John Carpenter taking influence from Black Christmas, but Friday the 13th, Freddy, all, all the slasher movies of the 80s, like Halloween kick-started the slasher boom. It really kind of mm-hmm. brought those tropes and the whole concept of like a final girl to the forefront, right, for to mainstream audiences. And so, you know, then you had Friday the 13th really capitalize on that. So it's definitely cemented its place uh, in history, but also personally with me, it's the movie that kind of got me into filmmaking when I was in high school, you know? you know, being made on such a shoestring budget. And, you know, we've heard Jamie Lee Curtis more recently on social media talk about how significant it was for her career, but also just describe the vibe of, like, what it was like making it, where it was just a bunch of young, you know, filmmakers getting together, trying to make something that they thought would be fun. You know, it wasn't made with the intention of, of what it is today, right? They they probably had no idea, obviously, what it, what it would be. Um, you know, 45 years later as we talk about it. But um, yeah, it just kind of embodied that whole aspect of like, let's go out and make a movie, you know? And like my friends and I in high school, we used to do a lot of that. And, you know, and I would always like talk about Halloween with them and like, yeah, well, we got to have this kind of scene and we got to go, we got to do this. We got to make sure that he has some kind of mask where it's like, it just, it's such a fun movie to watch because I just relate to it in that aspect. And it was, a lot of it is nostalgia, but at, at this point in my life, but yeah, I, I think to touch on what, what you said, Gabe, as well, just everything about it, it's so simple, but yet it's pulled off so well. And and there's really not any other movie like it. Uh, and even the sequels, you know, have been unable to kind of recapture that magic that the original had. And I think it's because their intentions going into it, you know, John Carpenter, Deborah Hill, and everybody else involved were so pure. Um, and they just brought us a story that's just timeless, you know? Yeah. And uh yeah. Definitely my favorite horror movie. Michael Myers is, uh, he's my favorite slasher villain. As you guys know, I've talked about it many times. I just, I love that movie so much for, for the fact that it is so simple yet, yet so effective. So yeah, yeah. I mean, what else can be said? And I think just to piggyback what you said, man, it's, it's that whole notion too, of like what you said, like he's a ghost, right? And, and how many, how many horror movies have taken from it? Because like, I always think about the scene where, you know, Loomis is on the balcony, right? And you see him dead mm-hmm. on the floor. And I mean, and you've seen it so many times where it's like, you know, he turns away, looks back, he's not there anymore. He's but I, I feel like, yeah, but in that movie, like for, is, is there something special about it? Like the way they just did it, you know what I mean? Like, I, and yeah. I don't know if it's because it was like the first one to kind of do that, just kind of like turn away and, you know, all of a sudden he's gone, he's a ghost. But it, it, that scene for sure kind of spooked me out because it kind of left this kind of atmosphere where it's like, crap, he could be anywhere. <laughs> you know, he's, he's not dead. It's like, you know, you shot him, but he's, he, he got up, he walked off somewhere, and you don't know where he is, and that's how the movie ends. And that, that part kind of freaked me out too, just not knowing what happened at the end. Um, that's a great ending. They also have the shots after he figures out that he's gone, right? We don't see him on the mm-hmm. grass. You have that kind of, you have different shots of the house and the street, and you just hear the breathing like yeah. over the mm-hmm. shots of everything just draped in darkness it's it's again that's like the when i think of like a, a way to end a slasher movie like that's 
like Halloween was the first one to do it, you know, mm-hmm. like to, to that to that regard. So, yeah, uh, I will say this too: the the music, like Chase, you mentioned John Carpenter's score. I mean, it it's five four time. I think he said it was something that his like dad taught him on like keyboard, and that's how he literally like screwing around one day. That's how they came up with the score. I mean, again, something that was so simple, yet. You know, here we are, it's 45 years later, and it's one of the most sought-after soundtracks, like, on vinyl. Like, people still play it, like, at Halloween parties, and, you know, when you're handing out candy, I know we do that at our house, you know, and, mm-hmm. and people love it. You know, it's just awesome. And it's cool that, like, Michael Myers has kind of taken on this persona where, like, even nowadays with the new movies, like, there's, like, little kids that are, like, going to conventions and dressing up as these characters, but, you know, <laughs> Michael Myers in particular. But I think what makes him unique, if I may... Uh, from the other villains is that like like Jason we know their backstory like we know that Jason's mother was murdered and and he comes back to kind of his whole I guess we can say his whole motive is it's like kill for mommy right whereas Freddie obviously he comes back to haunt everybody's dreams we we know what the backstory is for these other characters and with Michael we never really get that and I mean Mm -hmm. somewhat more so in the later films but in terms of the original idea of the character I think it's much more effective just because there's so little that's known about him other than the fact that he murdered his sister when he was six years old, right? And we kind of get that quick glimpse of him as a child in the beginning of the movie. And I think that's like the last moment of humanity that we see from him, right? And then it's kind of after that, we just see him as a a man in the mask. And that's why it's so scary is that, you know, it, it starts off somebody that was once a young child with like maybe some kind of emotion and now it's just void of that you know and mm-hmm. that's what's so great about the mask too is that it's a blank canvas yeah for us to kind of project our our fears or i our ideas i guess of what michael is or, or who he is behind that mask so i think that in itself is just it's like genius in a sense yeah super ambiguous like you never really yeah. know what's going on with him and even even just like going back to the flashback sequence with him killing his sister like you don't even they don't even delve into that too much you know you see it happen and then he all of a sudden he's standing in front of his house and you're kind of questioning like well what what triggered him what happened there what you know what was going on and they never delve into it. it's just super ambiguous which i think is a perfect way to do it because like that ambiguity kind of sparks fear because you don't understand it you don't understand yeah. what's going on with them so um they they killed it man i mean the original is such a classic and it's something you know i i hold here for sure just because i feel like what you said well it's a really like well executed slasher film and you don't see that too often and shout now, out to donald pleasance too if, oh yeah you know, oh yeah for sure should. yeah he's kind of like our the arbiter of like explaining what michael is to audiences too right so yeah. like loomis is kind of the uh you know he's 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 presenting what his idea of Michael is to the audience. And that is, you know, that he's pure evil and he needs to be mm-hmm. destroyed, you know, or, or locked up for eternity. But obviously <laughs> we, we see how that works out when they, when they try to just lock him up. Never works out. Hey, Will, no. I wanted to shout something out and I needed, yeah. uh, of course people will see it if they're watching the video, but for the audio only folks, you've got one of the sickest. I'm a hockey, I'm a hockey fanatic, hockey nut. So I had to let people know that you're over here repping a Haddonfield hockey Jersey. And it's one of the coolest things oh, ever. Yeah. It is awesome. Yeah. Man. Super sick. yeah. For anybody that's interested, I'm shameless plug here. Geeky jerseys.com. Check them out. They, yeah. they do a lot of horror and, uh, they don't just do horror. They do a lot of sci-fi. They do comedy movies, like a lot of eighties and nineties stuff particularly, but yeah. Geeky jerseys.com. Um, check them out. I got the Haddonfield Slashers jersey on. Yeah, it's just super cool. cool. That's super, super cool. Yeah. They 
great. Like if you're again, if you like hockey, it's right up your alley. I've seen Kevin Smith wearing these. I think that was when I was first, mm-hmm. you know, introduced to them. But yeah, check them out if anybody's interested. Geekyjerseys.com. Really cool. Really cool stuff. And as much as the '78 is a classic, I think we're going to start delving into the <laughs> the fun part. <laughs> the, the the fun part. The David Gordon Green trilogy, which. Uh, I think uh, all of us have different opinions about, which is going to be interesting. We delved into it a little bit with, um, I think it was that Exorcist Believer video, like before it came out. Um, and, it, and it was hard not talking about this trilogy with that movie, just because this is kind of David Gordon Green doing that same thing where it's, you know, he's reviving a classic and kind of, you know, putting his twist on it. So, uh, Will, I'm going to let you start off with this, man, because obviously this is a, a a film franchise that you're very passionate about. So I'm curious, like, what, I don't know if you guys would want to start with 2018, if we just want to want to kickstart it with 2018 and kind of go from there. Um, yeah, I think we can talk about 2018. I mean, 2018 was significant for fans of the franchise. It had been, you know, it's the first <laughs> Halloween movie since Rob Zombie's incarnations. Uh, and it was specifically... Um, you know, it was important because it was 40 years later. So we also had this whole anniversary aspect to it, right? Um, the rights were up for, you know, sale. You know, um, the Akkad, uh, I should say um, Malik Akkad, Mustafa Akkad's son, who now owns Trankus International Pictures. Uh, they were shopping around for a, a studio and a production company to to kickstart a new Halloween franchise. And uh, it ended up in the hands of Blumhouse, uh, and, and Universal, uh, and I think Miramax was co-producing on that because they're they're obviously in the opening credits and they're listed as a production company as well. Um, but yeah, this the story goes that Blumhouse acquired the rights, and and you know the Akkads, or I should say, Trancus International wanted to to make more Halloween films, and John Carpenter was approached by Blumhouse, and that, that conversation went along the lines of, look, they're going to make these movies whether we're involved or not. They're going to want to put them out there you know they Mm -hmm. they think it's time to kickstart a new trilogy and introduce you know michael myers and laurie strode to a new generation of fans and and moviegoers and so yeah uh john carpenter was approached to not only reprise his role as composer and and work on the score for these movies but also uh as an executive producer um and a, a mentor if you will to david gordon green and company who who they brought on to write and direct uh co write i should say with danny mcbride so it was it was interesting because this is the first time I think in many many years that John Carpenter was uh, involved so much more than just being someone to to give approval, right? And we've heard stories from him over the years of like, oh yeah, you know, I got a call from this guy, they're making a new Halloween. I said, yeah, go ahead, make it your own movie, you know. And he talks about you know the the time when he talked to Rob Zombie about those movies and that you know he really wasn't involved in in any aspect other than just somebody to go seek approval from which i'm sure got annoying after after a while but um this was significant because they actually wanted him to be more involved and i think that had a lot to do with jason blum and david gordon green i think they they saw it from the aspect of like well listen if we're going to do this right we got to bring carpenter back into the fold you know and, and to have him reprise his role as a composer and do the score that was like a big selling point for a lot of people for me included you know i was actually excited because it was more of like, okay, he's actually involved in this process, you know, and he's actually going to be there on set, you know, throughout the making of, of at least for 2018 to kind of point them or steer them in the right direction based on how he thinks, you know, this should go. Right. So that kind of sold me on, on 2018. Cause I said, okay, this could actually be good. 
right? It, they're not just saying, okay, yeah, John Carpenter said it's cool. Let's go and make whatever movie we want to make. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually kind of brought him in and and brought him. He was in house for the most of that that movie. So, yeah, uh, it takes place forty years later. Uh, we're introduced to Jamie Lee Curtis again as as Laurie Strode, who's kind of turned into this. She's she's you know she's kind of living a life of isolation, you know, almost like a hermit in Haddonfield. But at the same time, she's got this like Sarah Connor vibe where she's just mm-hmm. been preparing for Michael Myers for you know over the course of forty years since the events in nineteen seventy eight. Um, you know, deeply traumatized, but also changed uh, by that fateful night. Um, and eighteen is interesting because I, I think out of all three movies, and I'll, I'll start by saying this, I think it's the most cohesive in terms of plot and story. I think it's the most well-put-together movie um, out of the, the David Gordon Green trilogy. So I'll, I'll start with that. Gabe, what are your thoughts on it? Um, I agree with you 100%. Well, I, and I don't know if, you, if it's your favorite one. At least for me, it's my favorite one out of the David Gordon Green trilogy. And yeah. it, it, I think it's because it's, like what you said, most like cohesive, mm-hmm. well-put-together. Um and it and it knew what it was doing. I, I think it, it did so well just because, like you said, Carpenter's involvement, but also like they just kind of went back to basics. It's like let's just kind of like see what worked with the original, and not not so much replicate it, but but let's kind of like put a more of a modern twist on it, right? Mm-hmm. So I mean, you have all the elements from the original, and they just kind of like put this modern twist on it, and I think that's what made it work. I think the the whole concept too and and you can kind of delve into this a little bit in, in case i'm wrong will i think that th- mm-hmm. this was just a direct sequel to the first one right they didn't even count the second one like they, yeah, they negated we... the like every other movie except the original correct yeah so they they retconned every other film <laughs> after 1978 so mm-hmm. halloween 2 halloween 3 halloween 4 5 6 and so on and so forth All the, of them. none of those movies exist so yeah, yeah. We, that's that's an important point to to specify and i, I think they made that like a, a part of the marketing as well. Like they mm-hmm. specifically made it a point to mention in interviews that, you know, this is a direct follow-up. We're not including any of the other films. I mean, there's references to like Halloween three and, and some of the other movies. Um, and we can touch on that more uh, in a moment, but yeah. Um, yeah. None of those other movies smart. exist in this timeline. I yeah. think that it was smart that, because not only I think that brought a lot of people into the fold that wouldn't have seen it otherwise, because if you, you know, if you just make another Halloween movie, you have a good portion of the audience. It's like, you know, I haven't seen these movies in years or like I haven't seen any of them in, at all. And there's like, you know, there's so many to watch. But when you just say, hey, we're just going to start from the original to 40 years later, I think that probably drew a lot of interest for people that weren't involved in in the Halloween franchise before. So I, I think for me, it, the biggest thing that like you guys know, even in horror movies, I still like some character and plot. And I think the thing with Laurie Strode with her kind of like the PTSD and like, kind of like her, like what you said, kind of Sarah Connor vibes, you know, where she has the, you know, her property and, you know, it's all, uh, uh, wired up and, you know, there's traps in it and she's just like super prepared um i i liked that aspect but not only that but how it, it kind of impacted her family too because it delves into the relationship with her daughter and how she brought up her daughter in the same fashion and how it's kind of you know the the you know laurie strode and her daughter's relationship is impacting the granddaughter um there, there was just a lot of cool story elements to it and then obviously like the the stuff with uh, mike myers i mean it, it was just so it, it was just really nostalgic for me it was just straight up back to basics you know he escapes there's not much to it other than that and Mm -hmm. he's going around the neighborhood stalking everyone again but but they did it in a way that i i think was really unique you know what i mean like it was something that 
I think David Gordon Green intentionally looked at like, how can I take this kind of same concept and just kind of put my own spin on it? And I think mm. I think he did a really good job with it, with the with the Laurie Strode stuff and, you know, the whole family dynamic there. But also, you know, Michael Myers just kind of in the background and kind of like it, it just kind of mm. boils up until the climax where, you know, he's on Laurie's property and he, he and, and you get your little final showdown there. And I think mm. it worked. You know what I mean? So. I really liked 2018. I thought for me at the time when it came out, um, when they said that they were doing a trilogy, I, I was super stoked. I'm like, if this is how you're starting it off, I, I can't wait to see what you do next. Um, mm -hmm. So at least for me, I, I really loved it. I thought it was a great kickstarter of the trilogy. Um, back to basics, good story, good characters. Um, I, I will say just one critique because I watched it again last week and I know Chase and I have talked about 2018 a few times and I will say I agree with Chase it's not as gruesome as I remember it to be mm. like the, with the kills like the actual kills aren't that violent like they're not if I had to give it any critique they're, they're pretty light mm -hmm, like there's nothing yeah. crazy going on with the with the with the kills in that movie so um, I remembered it a different way when I saw it in theaters. And maybe it's just because I was super stoked to see it. You know, I was in theaters and I was just like, you know, Mike, Mike Myers is back. Let's go. Let's let's watch mm -hmm. it. And uh, and yeah, when I watched it the, the second time, it, it just kind of the kills were kind of soft to me. But um, other than that, though, it's still a solid movie. It's everything I remember it to be. Um, what about you, Chase? 2018. I've got quite the <laughs> I think history you have a different opinion movie. than we do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like very rarely do I watch a movie so many times and change opinions on it because I watched it when I was going through my Halloween bender at the beginning of the month. So there are a couple weeks kind of fermented on my mind. Um, this was my fourth watch of 2018 and I definitely liked it a lot more. Like I went back and looked at my letterbox reviews and I think I gave it uh, one and a half, two stars. Holy crap, really? Yeah. Oh man, no, that's, yeah. that's low. I just, that's brutal. I, I, yeah, it's that's... just, there were some things that I just found so goofy on my first watch and I'll, I'll go ahead and like get my old thoughts out and then tell you guys how it changed. So like the scene where he pulls out, uh, whenever he's in like the, the jail yard or the prison yard and he pulls out the mask and everybody starts mm -hmm. going kind of crazy. I could see what their intent was, but I found that weird and goofy and you know i i didn't think it really added to the world of halloween if that makes sense and i get what they're trying to say is like the the mask has some power to it you know or at least that's what i was taking away from it at that point otherwise why would it influence so many other people around it unless it's just more of a yeah we know this guy was michael myers you know what i mean so then at first i really did not like the the ptsd driven lori strode i i found her originally very annoying i found it very annoying and then what i found more annoying is even though she was right everybody was ignoring her as if she was as if she just never went through this like mm -hmm. hey that was a figment of your imagination type of situation and stuff and i found that annoying um previously and then i guess i didn't necessarily care for the final standoff before um but going full circle yeah a four a four out of five is what i just recently rated this i believe it might have wow been three and that's a, half. a big bump yeah yeah, yeah that's, it, that's huge yeah and i i think it had something to do with i watched all of them chronologically so i had to go through so many bad halloween movies <laughs> from like five <laughs> then i hit resurrections and i skipped over the rob zombie once because i knew we would be doing this episode so i went straight to the um the dgg trilogy and it's yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it's as much as I just had a new appreciation for the film after going through so much bad in the Halloween franchise. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, yeah, um, going back to how my thoughts changed, I, I do now like PTSD driven Lori Strode. I still, it drives me insane when people just don't take her seriously and I get it. That's the point. But like this yeah. lady straight up, like Lori Strode went straight through this. You would think you would give some type of believable aspect to her. Yeah. You know, we understand, you know, you went through something mm-hmm. crazy and, and understand it, there just doesn't seem to be a sense of understanding around the people around her. As if, you know, like people were involved, the cops saw it, this and that, which of course gets more developed as this trilogy goes on. But I found it really, really weird that nobody in her family would buy into her, you know. So uh, one of my favorite scenes, I believe it was this one with the pike on the head. Was it was that this one or is that two? Um, Where the bigger guy. I think that's two, isn't it? Is I that, think that's too, wait, what scene, just describe the scene. So the friend to the Bonnie and Clyde, I always forget the boyfriend's name, to um, Jamie Lee's oh, niece oh, in the pipe, yeah, like he uh, jumps up and, you know. Cameron's I mean? friend, yeah, that's the kill on the the gated fence. Yeah, that's Oh, yeah, the movie. backyard, yeah, yeah the, the like motion that. light. Yeah, I yeah. liked that. Yeah. Um, cool scene. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I kind of liked, again, I, I'm horrible with franchise characters' names, but Jamie, uh, Laurie Strode's niece in this one. Or not her niece, her granddaughter. My bad. Mm-hmm. Um, her granddaughter. I think that she's really well developed. Um, I, I I like her arc a little bit. The daughter, Jamie Lee, or Laurie Strode's daughter, really could care less about her. Uh, I really could. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. more annoying than anything to me. And I think it has to be like, that's your mom. You know what I mean? I yeah. get like she had a lot of things that like happened and stuff like that. And there's only one more complaint that I have whenever it comes to Loomis in this one. It felt so throwaway whenever you knew that you had a trilogy going on and Loomis is in so many of the older ones. I think his last one was, was it six? The one with Paul Rudd, I want to say, because he had passed away, unfortunately, I think right as filming was wrapped, if I'm right. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So why do we only get a little bit of him in this one, you know, and then the, of of course, we're going into spoilers if I wasn't apparent enough. So whenever Loomis um, is in the car and then, you know, starts jacking around and is like, he needs to be freed, this and I forget his exact wording, but he's trying to let Michael go while um, Lori's granddaughter's in the car right next to like an unconscious Michael Myers right there. Oh, I that's found- uh, Dr. Sartain, right? Yeah, the new, his that's new the new Loomis. Yeah, the yeah, new yeah. Loomis. yeah. Which they oh, the allude to in the movie, which I did think that was kind of cheesy. Like, oh, yeah. you're the new Loomis. Like they have yeah. to like spell <laughs> they, the it verbatim out is how they said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I found that a little bit goofy, but yeah, like I said, I had a massive turnaround with this. Um, Very rarely do I watch something. I think somebody even called me out on the Discord server for that. Like, dude, you had to watch this movie four (laughs) times to like it. I mean, yeah, for sure, because just taste changes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, and like to Gabe's point, it wasn't as gruesome. I kind of appreciate a little bit more of the final standoff because of how it goes into kills. Uh, but that's pretty much mine outside of like the 4K. I kind of wanted to shout that out a little bit. It's a BD66. I think they should definitely yeah. re-release that on a BD100 because uh, there's definitely a lot of dark scenes that should be a little bit darker that could definitely be mm-hmm. elevated and some fine details. Um, but otherwise, I think it's a really good homage. And like uh, Gabe said, like you would think with a uh, how strong that started out, even though I didn't like it at that time. Um, yeah, it, it just changes, and we'll go over that once we get into kills. Yeah, I do want to say one thing, just because I, I appreciate that they did this, because you don't see this happen in other slasher movies. With Laurie Strode going through her house, she has those damn buttons where you know she clears a room, and then the, the gate just closes. Yeah, And I'm like, that's so fucking genius. 
I'm like, I mean, because every time I watch slashers, I'm like, can you get just like, close the door? I'm like, close the door. You cleared the room. You know what I mean? Just so yeah, you yeah. can, you know. But I'm like, no, this lady has freaking, you yeah. know, switches all throughout her house. I'm like, it's freaking genius. Um, and I, actually, the thing with I, I liked the dynamic with the family. I think a little bit more than you did, Chase, just because I think the daughter. I, I can see where she was coming from. You know what I mean? Like she was raised like with a paranoid mom pretty much i mean yeah, like it's yeah. and i'm sure that probably had an impact on her on her childhood and you know the relationship between her and and, and laurie strode but I, I could see where you're coming from too where it's like you know the family's kind of dismissing her but but that's why i like that whole family dynamic it's because you could look at it from different perspectives and you could say oh daughter's right or laurie laurie's right yeah. like it's it's no one's right or wrong it's just kind of everyone's reacting to what happened that night differently um so that, that, I think that's why I appreciate 2018 so much. But I'm glad that you you like it now, Chase. That it's mm-hmm. <laughs> you gave it a, a what is it, like three or four more stars than <laughs> yeah. previous. Like that's pretty. I just awesome. didn't like it, and I just I don't know. I, I really couldn't tell you like what I didn't like about it. I just remember going in theaters watching it and just not liking mm-hmm. it. But also mm-hmm. like as much as I like the original and three, Halloween isn't necessarily my favorite as a franchise. Uh, mm-hmm. I definitely like Michael and I like individual aspects of the series. Uh, but yeah. I will also shout this out and say this is one of the, one of the stronger remakes um, out there for sure. For Especially sure. I went through a remake uh, like little thing this month where I watched like the Texas Chainsaw one, Friday the 13th, like all the remake from like the 2000s upwards, Black Christmas and stuff yeah. like that. And of course, we're in a different era where there, this one isn't as much of a cash grab. It's definitely a passion project. But for the yep. most part, yeah, this is definitely one of the better, not remakes, but like recalls is the term that it kind of uh, does. But it's not, mm-hmm. it's a sequel. It's not really a recall. It doesn't really retcon itself or anything like that. It builds off of it. But it's one of the better ones in that aspect. For sure. Yeah, I think that's important to note too, because, you know, we have to keep in mind that Halloween, and we'll talk about this when we talk about some of the other films at a later point, but it's, and we mentioned this when we talked about Friday the 13th, like Friday the 13th for me, overall is much more enjoyable because those entries overall are just more solid for me. Mm-hmm. I think Halloween is one of those franchises that unfortunately suffers from the ball being dropped like in many ways um, at, yeah. at certain points in the franchise. And unfortunately, you know, I don't want to get into it, but it, like the ball was dropped so much and it, it took a while for it to recover. So, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't like 2018 for, and they have their reasons, but I think we got to approach it and look at it from a perspective of, you know, this is a really solid Halloween movie and the first really, I guess I could say universally liked Halloween movie that we've had in quite some time. Quite a while. So, yeah. you know, I, I definitely appreciate it more so uh, in that regard. And and I, as much as you know, we're gonna get into the the sequels, and you guys know my opinions of the sequels. But um, e- even with my opinions on the sequels, I'd still say that the, this trilogy is better than a lot of the the Halloween sequels that came before. You know what I mean? Like to to say that it isn't, I think that I mean, unless you just have some crazy nostalgia for the <laughs> the older sequels. I mean, but I mean, I'd say overall that yeah. I mean, e- even with my opinion with uh, kills and ends, I'd still say that they're better than. A lot of the other installments that came before, which Agreed. brings us into um, Halloween Evil Dies Tonight, I think it's, it's called. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> I'll be back in one moment, guys. Oh, you're good. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Halloween Kills, um, which I think, wh- what year did that one come out, Chase? Was it the next year? I mean, 20, because Halloween remember. came out last year. It was a three-year break, because remember the the pandemic and, like, movies shutting down and stuff like that? 
So okay, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah so Kills is twenty twenty one is when it was released. Yeah, because it was so, day and date for Peacock. I want to say, yeah. Oh yeah, that one. I, I I do remember that, and that kind of. I mean, you know me. I I, I do like. I, I value the the theatrical experience. So when they did that, I was kind of peeved a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, are you going to take, especially like an iconic movie like this or an iconic franchise like this? It's like you're going to put it on Peacock. Yeah. the first day. Um, I had went to see it in theaters. I don't know if you saw it in theaters or if you saw it on Peacock, but um, Peacock. Yeah. Oh, you saw it on Peacock, oh. bro. It's just like uh, we got to address that. Like, I, I just I have the smallest bladder in the world, so it's just like when I went to go see Saw X, like I had to get up twice, you know. So the ability oh, to man. pause it, just you know, and it's, I mean, it's the caffeine, dude. <laughs> all that caffeine I consume. <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, yeah, Peacock. The stream looked awful. Like I can sit here and say that. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's Peacock, and you know. Um, but I, I've got to give them some love and appreciation knowing that they lose money on this stuff. And then they do that. All right, guys, a wild will reappears. So he is back. He has rejoined us. We are here to continue. We were talking about Peacock. So, uh, yeah, I'm sorry I, I about that. My neighbor asked if, uh, I would recommend Halloween five for Halloween night viewing. <laughs> I got upset and punched my break box and my power shut off. Sorry about that. <laughs> It's all good. But yeah, we were talking about um, Peacock, the day and day releases, the stream. The stream did not look good at all. I mean, I appreciate them doing that no matter what. That was uh, very, very solid for them to be able to give people that. Because we were, when Halloween Kills came out, we were at the the height of the contagion, you know what I mean? Everything going, you know, the viral, everything like that. And so, like, some people like myself didn't want to put other people at risk by going in. So that's why I appreciated that as. And the reason I appreciated that is they clearly would have made more money not doing that. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't know what their cost of acquisition was. I know how much it cost um, them to get uh, Exorcist, but I'd be super curious um, to genuinely know, you know, outside of merch sales and stuff like that, whatever they ended up doing, because I know Peacock loses a lot of money. But that was a pretty ballsy move. And I want to say outside of HBO Max, because they dropped Wonder Woman 84, I believe that was kind of. That wasn't the, yeah, that was the year before HBO max was doing day and date streaming and it was a little bit different because they said their entire catalog was going to be coming out that way. Yeah. And then you get universal Bloomhouse peacock that does this. And that's a bit more ballsy for a horror movie, especially whenever you, you you're, you're milking pennies in, in the aspects of millions. That's how they're counting it when it comes to horror movies. Right. Because a lot of these come out with like 10, 15, $20 million budgets, which that's still a lot for a horror movie depending. Right. Um, and for them to do that and be willing to lose the money just for people to get out there and watch it, I kind of appreciate them to be able to accommodate people in that aspect. But yeah. And I forgot it was, it was peak COVID, like you said too. So like if, I mean, obviously if you wanted to see it in theaters, I think that was cool that it let you do that. And if you wanted to kind of, you know, avoid getting sick or avoid getting others sick, I think that that was, you know, a good option too. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't know how you saw it. Well, did you see it on Peacock or did you go to the theater to see it? I saw it in the theater. Yeah, I saw it in the theater with a couple friends. Um, mm-hmm. It was a decent crowd. Like, I was actually wondering that, like, going into it. Like, I wonder how well this is going to do um, in terms of its theatrical release. Because, you know, we were still, you know, big into the pandemic. And there was still a lot of fear out there about whether or not, you know, a movie theater is the best place to congregate, you know, on a, on, a, on an opening mm-hmm. night, you know, for a movie. But, um, yeah, we saw it in the theater. And, it, you know, was a good experience overall. 
Um, but I know a lot of people that decided to stay home. Uh, you know, a lot of people in our community that decided to just stream it. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, it, it was great that they gave people the option to do that. And I think it, it came from a good place. I think they just wanted as many people to see it as possible. And they figured, you know what, let's, let's be, you know, gracious about it and give people the opportunity to see it, you know, within the comfort of their own homes, you know, and yeah. going to the movies can be a lot for people, um, for some people, you know, normally, you know, never mind, you know, in, in the middle of a pandemic. So it was great sure. that they uh, gave people, you know, that option. So, you know, a lot of respect for uh, Blumhouse and everybody behind the scenes for, uh, for for getting that getting that done. So, Will, what what did you think about um, Evil Dies Tonight or Halloween? <laughs> Evil <Kills> Dies Tonight. <laughs> Evil Die. I, I think it makes a great drinking game, you know, um, <laughs> pour out a bunch of shots and go to town. I mean, the, so. Here's the thing, and I've 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 talked to you guys about this. I've talked to other people about this. I really like aspects of this trilogy. Overall, it's a mixed bag for me. Um, I think, as I said before, eighteen is definitely the most cohesive. I think they did a lot of great character work, like you were saying, the whole dynamic with the family, with Lori, um, Karen, I believe um, her daughter's name is, and um, Allison. You know, that was something I would hope they would continue with in kills i i was hoping to get more of that and instead i just think kills just really falls apart for me you know that's where the the plot in this movie the story is it's practically it's all over the place um i'll just put it that way there were scenes in this movie and and moments in this film that i think could have easily been taken out and it doesn't affect the movie at all um the hospital scene is one of those uh i think that's the one that stands out to me um, I get what they were trying to do. And we talked about this with exorcist and I'll mention it again here. It's, it's one of those cases where you have a, a contained story with the original film with 18, and then you try to expand on that, but you go a little bit overboard in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. you just open it up too much and it just kind of takes away from anything that was scary or anything that was really well done in 18 um, it just doesn't hit the mark with kills. Now, I will say this. The things I liked about it, like practical effects, which I love. I mean, a lot of that is present. You know, Christopher Nelson and crew did a fantastic job with, with the mask. And, you know, after he comes out of the fire, mm -hmm. that was all really well done. We can see how that mask has changed. They did a lot of great work, and they capture that really well. There's a lot of great shots of it. So uh, I like the kills. If you're somebody that is just going to see this movie for for just great kills and like a really a lot of bloodshed i guess i could say it's definitely there this movie is definitely one of the most violent movies i think i've ever seen um i think it has one of the highest kill counts i think i've seen at least for a halloween movie um other than that i mean there's there's not really much that stands out to me i just think the character work wasn't there i think it, it takes the whole mob mentality thing too far for me it's it's too on the nose you yeah. know that can be a problem for me when when you have an idea and a theme it's perfectly okay to have it kind of peppered throughout your movie but i think to the point where you're like beating your viewers over the head with it it just it gets to be a little much and it takes away from you know, why they're there in the first place, which is just to enjoy the movie and get involved in the story. Um, I think the atmosphere was a little bit better uh, in terms of the lighting, cinematography-wise. Mm -hmm. I think this movie was lit uh, slightly better than 18. 
Now, in terms of atmosphere, 18 still had a fantastic like fall Halloween vibe. I think that was done well. I think that's done well throughout all these films. But I think they took a lot of lighting cues, um, whether it was from Carpenter or just feedback from fans of the original. I, I noticed that they paid very close attention to that with this movie. There, I noticed changes in the way that the streets were lit um, with more of that daylight lighting that we saw in, yeah. in the original in the 78 movie. Um, especially with the flashback scenes. Those were incredibly well done. Um, what I wanted more of, though, was was kind of like slower-paced stalking. And I, I'll say this. You guys were talking about some of your critiques with 18. That's really my critique with this whole franchise is there. there's not a lot of moments where we see Michael stalking like we do in 78. And that's kind of been absent from this whole trilogy. And we'll talk about ends uh, in a few, you know, in a, in a bit, but... Uh, I just wanted more of that. Um, the one scene in 18 that I thought was so well done was the scene where he's, it's Halloween night and he's kind of free to roam around the neighborhood and it's that big tracking shot. I think it took them mm -hmm. like 19 takes or something like that to get oh, it. Oh man, um, That's perfect. Crazy. Yeah. They spent a lot of time on that, but it shows. I mean, it's incredibly well done. Mm -hmm. You know, the tension is there and you're kind of wondering like, okay, what is he going to do next? Um, and I just think it was executed so perfectly. That's like my standout moment from, from 18. And I, I just wish we had more of that here because with kills, it's much more violent. The kills are much more creative, so to speak. Um, a lot of them are very brutal. The, the whole mm -hmm. pin cushion kill with the old couple, mm -hmm. uh, in the beginning, that was like brutal. Like I actually yeah. was like, wow, they're really like not cutting away. Like that was mm -hmm. like incredibly well done, but that's something that's like effective and something that stays with you as a viewer. Like, holy crap. That was like, I feel bad watching this. <laughs> like it's, it's not even entertaining anymore. I just feel like a bad human being as I'm just watching this poor guy, you know, it's, Michael's like testing out his knives and, you know, yeah. finds the one that he wants. And then he just leaves them both there to die. I mean, that is, that is like absolute savagery. Um, which, you know, it's great. It's, it's effective. I just wish we had more of that throughout the rest of the movie. The rest mm -hmm. of the movie. The editing was much more, you know, fast-paced, which I get why. Like, I get what they were going for. It was trying to replicate that chaotic um, atmosphere that, that Haddonfield was experiencing um, due to the events of 18. Or This takes place on the same night. We should specify that as well. Yeah. But, um, I just think kills, story-wise, plot-wise... It, it just the work wasn't there and that's kind of why I, I it kind of took me out of it you know so the mm -hmm. highlights for me with kills are definitely the flashback scene uh and some certain kills in the movie i mean i, I like the kills but other than that i i think the character work is lacking the story is kind of all over the place so I, i'd say this uh, kills is probably my least favorite um out of all of the uh the three movies in the, okay. in the trilogy I, yeah, so with me, let me, let me get the positives out the way because I have a lot of negatives to discuss, but the positives, I will say that flashback sequence, it, it, it might be one of the best film sequences in the entire trilogy. Like mm -hmm. just the, just the atmosphere he was able to capture and just the, I don't know if it's like, I mean, I'm sure a lot of post-production stuff with the color grading and just, you know, yeah. how they got that atmosphere, but it, but man, that was just so well done. And I, I thought we were in for a treat. I'm like watching this flashback sequence at the beginning. I'm like, man, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and a lot of the kills in that movie, like you said, well, I mean, they're really brutal. They're really creative, which is fine for me. I mean, I think it's a sequel. You want to elevate it a little bit with a lot of the, the violence and the gore. I, I think the kills were, were a lot better than 2018, you know, after kind of watching 2018 again. Um, the issue I have with kills is, 
I mean, there's there's plenty. I, th- I think my biggest thing, it's two things. One, Lori Strode's in the hospital all night, right? So, like, the, like you don't really get any interaction with Michael Myers and, and Lori Strode. She's just mm-hmm. in the hospital the entire movie. Uh, meanwhile, he's wreaking havoc, you know, everywhere he goes, and she's just kind of in the hospital. It's almost like they went back to Halloween 2. <laughs> she's back in the hospital again. And yeah. that's where she's at. Um, but so so there's no real interaction because I would have loved to see that. Right. I mean, like the, the ending of the mm-hmm. first one, you know, he's coming or he's in the burning house and I, I would have loved some kind of confrontation with him just to kind of see yeah. like what what the fuck's going on. Um, so so that that kind of bummed me out. So you don't really get that. The the second thing that that really kind of me off a little bit is, is the, they brought all these like legacy characters back. Right. So like the the kids that. I, I forget their name. Is it Tommy, right? Tommy and um, the, yeah, the kids that Tommy, she was watching. Tommy and Lindsay. I, yeah, yeah. Tommy and Lindsay. And then also like the girl that was with Loomis. Uh, Marion, I think is her name. I'm the sorry nurse. if I'm butchering. Yeah, yeah the nurse. So like they, they brought all these legacy characters back. And a lot of it was just to kill them. Like, throwaways. <laughs> uh, yeah, throwaways. Complete throwaways. Like there wasn't anything mm-hmm. significant other than... It reminds me of that scene. I think it was in Scream 5 or Scream 6 where they go over like the requel or... You know the rules. It's like legacy characters no legacy disposable character. at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You guys aren't safe anymore. Yeah. It's like it's it's over. So it's like yeah. I'm like this just kind of does that, that that same thing. And it's I, I didn't I didn't understand. It's like why go through all this effort to bring these characters back if it doesn't add anything to the plot and it doesn't really advance the story in any way. Um, so that that was kind of annoying. And then the last thing, which I mean I've already emphasized, the evil dies tonight thing. I get the mob mentality theme. I understand what he was trying to do in terms of the dangers of mob mentality and mob think. But I think it was just so, it was so overdone. It was just way too overdone. I think, I think maybe he might have, I think he pro- what he probably should have done is maybe go into how as a society and as a culture, maybe we're like numb to violence. Cause like, I think, I mean, mm-hmm. you guys see it all the time, you know, on the news, there's wars, there's mass shootings, there's murders, all this stuff. And we have become very numb to a lot of this stuff. And I think mm-hmm. that would have been a much more interesting take to kind of maybe put into the film. But instead, he does the opposite. He, you know, he has, you have the serial killer and, you know, most of these people aren't even involved in these killings. But, like, they're all, like, peeved and 100% pissed off at Mike Myers and they're rioting. And it's like, I, the whole time I'm watching, I'm like, why is everyone just so pissed off? Like, I mean, I get it. I mean, a whole bunch of people have died. It's a small town, but it's like, why is like, you know, there's like, you know, 100, 200 people just riding through this freaking hospital and they're yeah. just so freaking pissed off. And then I think if I remember correctly, they're chasing some patient that they thought was Mike Myers yeah. and this poor they're chasing, dude. Yeah, they're chasing one of the other, I think it's one of the other, I should say, mental patients that escaped the same night that he did yeah. from the first movie. But yeah. yeah. And it's just, you know this guy jumps off the damn or jumps out the window, yeah, um, it's suicide. Yeah, and it's I just didn't understand what what he was trying to do, and like what you said, well, I think you worded it perfectly, where you said it's too much on the nose, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're a hundred percent, you're 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 like okay, you're just trying to push this mob mentality thing, but it's just not working. I, I mm-hmm. think that everything that he did in the first one with like Laurie Strode, with the family dynamics, with all of that stuff, just gets push to the side and mm-hmm. you don't deal with any of it I, d- I don't even remember to be honest with you a lot of what allison did in this movie i i can't even recall like i 
um, she she ends up like joining I th- I th- the boyfriend's name. I keep forgetting his name. Cameron. Cameron. Oh yeah, for like the manhunt thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. they like go on this. Ma- that's the other thing. They, uh, Tommy Doyle is like kind of like put in charge, so to speak, and he, he's annoying as the, hell. At least yeah. to me. <laughs> you know, I I don't necessarily disagree. He he kind of takes on this like leadership role where he's like mm-hmm. you know gathering all these people and getting these mobs together to to go after Michael. So he's kind of like. Uh, spearheading that so to speak um and allison decides to join her boyfriend cameron whose father is uh lonnie who is the kid that bullies tommy in the original oh yeah 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 and that's another thing they they kind of treat him as a legacy character but he is in a sense but it's a new actor well tommy tommy doyle's character is uh played Mm -hmm. by a new actor too but um yeah, she ends up going on the manhunt. They end up going to the Myers house with uh, she, her and Cameron and his father, and she confronts Michael there. That's where they end up um, meeting, so yeah. to speak. And then there's a whole thing with Karen shows up with, like, <laughs> that 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 pissed me off uh, and i think that's know. the last thing i mean if we were i mean we already talked spoilers so i mean and then Lori's yeah. daughter dies at the end and it's uh, yeah man that, that pissed just me a off lot going on <laughs> too much going on and I, i'm gonna leave it to chase but the just one more thing that really pissed me off and i think you guys might have a different opinion on this it's like i i always like what we alluded with 78 i think that it's it's like you said well he's a ghost right he's very ambiguous you don't know like there's always that kind of myth where it's like he's not human or they mention that he's not human right it's like how could you Mm -hmm. get shot like six times and you're still walking around i think they push the envelope way too much in this one man when he's like surrounded by like all those people and he's been i forget the the details he's been shot stabbed in addition to the stabbings and shootings the earlier night from 2018 (laughs) like i'm like and this dude still kills everyone i'm like it just it was way too much for me and it and it kind of took away that pitchfork yeah (laughs) pitchfork what is it uh that somebody shoots it and this the other thing yeah the whole mob scene though and i Mm -hmm. think they did that they did that on a sound stage you can tell because the way the lighting is i think they mm-hmm. did it on a sound uh, uh excuse me a sound stage and they kind of filmed all those shots where everyone's going at him but it's like that's my thing too like like what you were just said the mob scene he's he's just taking all these hits and the person with the gun it's like why wouldn't you just fucking shoot him in the head <laughs> yeah that was my first thought <laughs> like for they sure. just shoot you're right there just shoot him in the head i mean i yeah. guess it's it's easier said than done if you're going up against Michael Myers, but I, I just felt so. like that. Was... But it takes away from that, like what you said, that ghost kind of thing, right? Where it's like, okay, like the first, the original, you can kind of like, almost like forgive it where it's like, okay, this guy's getting shot a lot, but he's still moving around. Like what's going mm-hmm. on with this one? Right. It's just so blatantly like over the top. I was like, he's, he's shot, he's stabbed, he's set on fire. And I'm like, this dude is, he's the new Jason. <laughs> like yeah. he's just like killing you know with all the all of the stuff that's happened to him and it's it just took me out of the movie so he's this also one, supposedly 60 years old based on this true line. that yeah and he's like, still he's 61, 60 years old and he's 61. all this stuff's happened and he's Real still quick, like perfectly fine i'm curious was it this one or was it 18 where they established the more he kills the more powerful he gets that was this one that, that was this one that was kills mm. yeah okay i missed that line because i think i was just oh like, yeah zoning out it's like such a it's, pivotal it's line. an interesting line yeah it's, it's an interesting way to to go about that i just think i just think it's like gabe was saying you establish something in the original movie if you're trying to make a follow-up or in this case a trilogy that's going to then follow up that movie as a director like if i'm approaching it this is just me this is my personal take on it i would just try to stick as closely as i possibly could to those guidelines to those parameters mm-hmm. because you don't want to take away the mystique of that character 
to the point where it's like, okay, well, you can just do anything and this guy will come back. That that makes him like Jason. That makes him like Freddy. It, it yeah. just at that point, he's just like any other slasher villain, right? Or, and nothing or against save it Jason for the end. Like save it, save that. Yeah. Like that that scene could have been something on the last installment where it's like this is the climax of the entire trilogy. Mm-hmm. He's getting shot, he's getting stabbed, but he's still going at it. And at that point, maybe I would have forgiven it. But when I know this is only the second installment and he's going to come back yeah. for more, it's like this is too crazy for me. So and uh, we'll get to just, that in a second. But yeah, th- kills what is you the bottom just <laughs> Yeah, kills is probably for me at least. Chase, what are you? We're interested to hear what you think about this because I know originally you, like you said, you gave mm-hmm. 2018 one star. So as of today, what are your thoughts on kills? I feel like sometimes I exist on the podcast solely to come in with different takes and different tastes. <laughs> this is my favorite of the trilogy, and I mean, I, I mean, um, I used to really like ends, which I'll get to, and I still love ends. I think it's different, and I like it a lot. I just have gripes, which I think we all have the same gripes on that. I love kills. Of course, I still have my complaints about it for sure. But also, when it comes to slashers, one of the things, well, I kind of want to do something that you did whenever you were segueing into 2018 earlier. Because while you guys were talking, I was looking up, I was trying to find out how much the cost of acquisition was for these film rights. But it looks like they just ended up with them. I, I can't find any cost of acquisition for these because these mm. films made almost $600 million. So they made money clearly, right? Mm-hmm. But with what I was reading, it was saying that originally it was going to be filmed back to back, which I always love that stuff. Pearl X, great example, right? Mm-hmm. Film back to back and you have a sequential story. But it was altered and changed based on the feedback. I think you guys had touched on that. From 2018, the pandemic shut it down for a little while, and then it came out a little bit later than it wanted to. So it seems like I, I just I have to get this out of the way. As much as I'm about to give so many positive thoughts about kills, I love whenever things like write the whole damn trilogy, put it out there, and stick to it. Don't listen to what we're saying, what anybody else saying. Mm-hmm. Stick to your damn vision. You know what I mean? So, um, because like listening to people doesn't get you anywhere, but outside of your own train of thought. Right. So I needed to say that because it looks like they went back and rewrote this based on that. So where I'm getting with all the positivity, actually, no, let me get my negative stuff out. I have the same thoughts as, as everybody else universally evil dies tonight. I have a, a different complaint than I heard you guys say about it. That patient that they're going after and with all due respect, I'm not trying to body shame anybody. That's like looks nothing like Michael. It looks it, that's like that's like looking at Danny DeVito and being like, "That's Michael Myers." You know what yeah. I mean? It, it's completely yeah. different body build. It, it, he looks like Danny DeVito's penguin from there, and it, it, it doesn't make sense. Like Michael's like what six four, slender built. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that made no sense. Had they cut that part out, not not the whole part, but even shaved five minutes off of that even five minutes, I think the pacing would have been a lot better as much mm-hmm. as it, or even just used cutaways to come back, come full circle, you know, Hey, here's really where Michael is because none of us as the audience believed that that was Michael. Nobody yeah. did. I've never seen anybody anywhere in any reviews, any talk discussion, anything believe that they thought, Oh man, they got Michael. No, because if you go back to 2018, they show you the back shot of Michael. This is mm-hmm. not Michael, you know? And I get that was the point, the mob mentality, but I agree with everything Gabe said. Like, um, like I, I I appreciate what they're trying to do. The, the small town sense of community, which they even uh, elevate a little bit more and ends to my to my personal flavor. But yeah, okay. So to my positive stuff, 
so I the the firefighter scene, man. I always talk about that. If you've been in the server, I always go on about how much I fucking love the firefighter scene, man. Like the shot whenever he axes one of them in the eye and it's got the camera right there and then it falls mm. back and then it's just I love when slashers are done differently. Like I agree with what you just said, Will, sticking within the parameters of what makes them them, right? But this movie also established that the more that he kills, the more powerful that he gets, which I seem to think that they forgot about in the next entry. But he's just powered up. Like, you know, he's getting plus one mm-hmm. XP for every kill, you know? So, like, he's leveling mm-hmm. up. He's over there playing an RPG while we're trying to live in reality. So, um, to that note, I, I love that scene. Uh, I love, like, the uh, this is the the pincushion one, right, that I think you were talking about where he's, like, testing out his knives and stuff like that. Yeah, with the old couple. In, the old couple. Yeah. And then this is also the one where you have the um, the couple that moved into the, the Myers house. And then he ends up going mm. back. I thought that was interestingly done. I just think that's probably this, one of my favorite scenes in the movie, actually. That yeah, whole dynamic there. Yeah, it's it's really, really well done. I, I like that. Um, another negative that I kind of forgot to touch base on is had they not went back and rewritten this, they had something absolutely incredible. They could have kept a lot of what was in this instead of trying to get you to care about characters that weren't even cemented in the first one. You know, I, I've said it many times, and this is one of the perfect analogies for this. This is like a Neapolitan ice cream. If you like chocolate, mm. you like vanilla, you like strawberry. All three of these have a different flavor and taste for what you might like, right? Yeah. Um, this one had the Season of the Witch shout-out after uh, Myers kills them in the park. Um, mm-hmm. They have the the Green Witch mask, which I loved, of course. You know, I already said earlier, Season of the Witch is my personal favorite. Not Obviously, it doesn't have Michael Myers, but I love that as a Halloween movie so much. Um, but another goofy one, whenever they're in the car and stuff like that, and then he kicks the door, how the hell does that even happen? Like, she, you know, like, she shoots herself, like, <laughs> physically. How does that happen? But... I, yeah. I I can stop complaining about that and then just laugh about it every time I rewatch that one. Um, it's fun. It's yeah. goofy. It's corny. And I kind of appreciate that. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly. Yeah. Okay. So the mob and not the mob mentality, but the mob fight at the end. That's mm. probably my biggest complaint, even over evil dies tonight. Cause I can kind of overlook that and just tune it out uh, just because it is goofy. But I couldn't because they honestly wasted so much potential in a different way than I heard you guys kind of spitballing between each other. So the thing was is everybody was taking one hit each, backing up, and then being like, hey, you go. No, everybody jump in. Like, it's it's it's, it's open range, you know? Like, Dude, I don't, it's an RPG. They're yeah. each taking turns. <laughs> it's, it's Final Fantasy, right? So, like, they, yeah. they got to let their bars cool down and stuff like that and their meters <laughs> and supercharge. That was the part I just didn't get because they would be like, all right, you go. And then same thing. Guy had a gun, and I get it. It's Hollywood, and they got, they got to make their – they got to finish their trilogy – but also at the same point, that would have been a really good way to give us what we did get in ends, which, you know, I keep saying I like ends. I um, just, I'll go into that with how they should have done it a little bit differently. I just love like, I mean, yeah, I love like how it goes outside of your typical Michael Myers because it kept it fresh enough, right? Um, it gives you something different. And I think it's really that line that some people tend to overlook where he gets more powerful the more he kills, you know? And again, that was cemented here. And then he just goes crazy, you know? And I think that one little line that some people either heard or didn't hear kind of sets the stage for it, but ultimately doesn't give you a payoff because of what happens in the third installment. It, it, it makes no yeah. sense. The, the installment ultimately chronologically ends up making no sense 
even though mm-hmm. one line helps it make sense, right, mm-hmm. with yeah. what's going on, you would think that Enns would have done something a little bit bigger because that's what I thought he was. I thought he was just leveling up the entire movie yeah. because of that one line. But, yeah, I love Kills. Um, I think it's goofy fun. I think it's just a, a different type of Halloween slasher. Again, I can't go on about how much I love that uh, firefighter scene. I think it's super well done. Like, he just looks at them like they're chump change and is super inconvenience, and then he just absolutely mm-hmm. mutilates all of them in the way that it was shot. I really like, too. So, yep, there's my different take. Mr. Hot Take. <laughs> that firefighter scene is cool. <laughs> yeah. It is, it's probably one of the best scenes in the movie, like with the mm-hmm. flashback scene that yes. you know, Gabe and, and Shout uh, out to that. I talked about. But, I mean, yeah. dude, PCP is a hell of a drug. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> Michael was pumped full of it that episode or that installment. Oh yeah, dude, he must have been because <laughs> damn. Um, which leads us into uh, Halloween Ends, and I think this one was also released on Peacock. I think the same day too. And I, and I will admit, this one I did watch on Peacock because <laughs> I, I just after Kills, I was like, "There's no way I'm watching. <laughs> I'm going to the theater to watch Ends." Uh, so, um, Will, what did you think about Halloween Ends? I saw ends in the theater. Uh, my buddy Alex, we, we I, he also saw kills with me. I, ends is I so I like. I'll, I'll talk about my positives first. I'll try to mm-hmm. keep it you know streamlined here. But I like Corey's story. I, I like the character work in this film. I think it's it was much uh, definitely refreshing after kills. So I, I like what they did with him. I like the whole concept of you know Michael's evil or, or evil influencing other people in a negative way. I thought that was a, a they, they did a much better job of presenting that in, in a more subtle way than they did with the theme of, of kills, right. With the mob mentality. So I thought that was much handled much better, more of an intimate um, approach to that story, which again, I think for the type of story you're trying to tell, it works much better yeah. than, than it did with kills. Um, so I really like that. I, I like the story. I like what they did with, with Allison's character, you know, they kind of explored how she's dealing with the death of her uh, mother, Karen after kills and kind of living with Lori. And they're trying to like establish a new life together and just finally move on from this. I liked all of that. Um, my main complaint with ends, I guess I can say is just other than like certain dialogue moments here and there. I mean, there's thing, there's other things that didn't work for me, but they didn't take me out of the movie. I just think this was marketed they they just dropped the ball with the marketing in this movie. I think mm-hmm. they marketed it as the final showdown between Michael and Lori, which we do end up getting. Um, it just didn't meet that level of what I was expecting, right? And, and I think Corey's story was incredibly well done. I liked it a lot. I, I really enjoyed it. I just think it would have served better as more of a filler in, in the second movie as opposed to saving this story for the third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't understand the placement of it. Um, again, executed well in terms of how it was presented, but in terms of its placement in the trilogy, I just feel like this would have been a better story to tell over the events of Halloween Kills, right? Or, or the second film in the franchise. And Chase, I want to I point out what you said about the whole, you know, the more he kills, the more he transcends line. I think if they stuck with that over the, the, the timeline of the three movies... And mm-hmm. they kind of used Halloween ends as the watermark for that line, like in, in terms of the completion of that arc going by, you know, using that as a guide, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think this would have been a much better movie for some of the events that we saw in Kills with the mob and all that. I, I think if they, I, I've said this before, I think there's a good trilogy in here somewhere. 
you just have to kind of take it apart and rearrange it. And I think yep. it works much better, at least for me. Um, if they had taken the second movie and used that as a vehicle to tell Corey's story. Exactly. And in the meantime, Michael is kind of in the shadows recovering from, from what happens, from the injuries that he sustains at the end of 18. I think overall, that's much more believable, right? You can kind of have Michael still be there. He's still present. He's still killing. You know, he's in the sewers doing what he's doing, trying to recover. Um, and in the meantime, we're focusing on on Corey and what he's dealing with and, and those events. And then for the final chapter, for the, the end of the trilogy, you can have most of those events from kills. I mean, you could you could extend some of those legacy characters into this movie. Mm-hmm. Instead of killing them all off in Halloween Kills, like you guys mentioned, you know, make their deaths worth it. Make their arcs complete. Don't just bring them in and it's like, okay, well, here they are. They're here. You know, you wanted them. Okay, they're gone. Like, we're just going to kill them off, you know? Um, and that was one of my other complaints with kills. I, I felt that those legacy characters were, as I, I mentioned, they're throwaways. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I didn't care about anybody that died. You know, I was just hoping for something more. And I felt like, I, I said that to my buddy, I said, they could have used some of those characters in this movie. They could have stretched some of their stories out a little longer and, and made their deaths or whatever the culmination of their arcs would have been. They would have been more meaningful. Um, so I was just hoping for more with ends again, uh, Corey's story is great. I just felt like it would have served as a better um, story for the second film. A lot of those events and kills could have been much better utilized for this film. You know, that way we get that climax that we're looking for, right? If we could have had a lot of the mob scenes that were in kills kind of leading up to the showdown between Michael and Laurie in the kitchen mm-hmm. at the end of, of this film, I just think it would have had more of an impact. Um, yeah. that, that's really my only gripes about it like like i said there's a lot of things that i thought were done well i think the cinematography and the lighting uh they were much more in line with kills i think out of the three films kills and ends uh visually anyway um they they look like they go together more than than 2018 does with kills so Mm -hmm. um i think everything else is pretty much on point i just think um yeah I, i wasn't a fan of the placement of Corey's story for me yeah. i get what they were going for with trying to like emulate halloween 3 um with the anthology aspect which it, it it gave me a lot of ideas of what they could do with an anthology and i mean we can talk about that a different time but uh, you know the the potential for that is definitely there uh, mm-hmm. and i think that's what they were trying to go for with this which is why they said yeah you know what let's take a totally new approach for the third movie um i just think that's why halloween 3 works and taking that same approach with this movie and trying to go on that anthology route, so to speak, or, or give people those kind of vibes and tell a totally different story, I, I don't think it works for the final film in a trilogy. That's all. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's that's pretty much what I what I think about it. I mean, I definitely like it overall more so than I like Kills. Um, but I think 2018 is still, it's still the best movie in this trilogy for me. I think it's the most cohesive. I'm, I'm with you, Gabe. I think in order for me to really enjoy something, like, I just... I want character work. I want some kind of plot. You know, you need to stick to something. You can't just have a mess of a movie and go in all these different directions like they did with Kills. You know, I just don't think it worked. But I think they brought some of that back uh, with Ends, which which was refreshing. So I enjoyed that. 
So I think I think with ends, I'm going to take something that you both said. So like what Chase said earlier, where it's like if you're going to make a trilogy, write the trilogy from the beginning, right? I mean mm-hmm. the 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 most classic like screw up of all is obviously like the Disney Star Wars trilogy, Star which Wars. was like all all over the freaking place. They didn't know what the hell they were doing. Yeah, but it's yeah. like write the trilogy out before you start it. Um, and and kind of like what you said. Well, I think this one kind of like it, it feels almost like um. It doesn't feel like a part three. It feels like an epilogue. It feels like yeah. like part three already happened, and then this is mm-hmm. kind of like just like a follow up. So it's like yeah. like what you said. If they had introduced Corey, right? Is his name? I always forget his name. Yeah, Corey. Yeah. Yep. Cunningham. Yep. In part two, and kind of delve into some of those themes in part two a little bit, and then save kind of like this the mob thing. And like I said, you know, all the you know crazy you know killing that that Michael does as a kind of like a climax. Um, and then do the, you know, the Lori standoff at the end. I think that would have been better served for the story. Um, mm-hmm. I think ends kind of like what you said. Well, I, I like it more than kills. And I think it's because they did go back into kind of some kind of character exploration. The, the stuff with Corey, I think it's interesting. I, I think I, I loved the the opening scene where, you know, with the babysitting. I, I thought that that was pretty cool. Um but I, I think the issue with me is like as much as I really liked story uh, Corey's like story and like his arc, it, it just takes away from Michael Myers in a way. Like he's just like in the back seat, just chilling in the sewers, just waiting for his time to come. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. they try to merge it where it's like you know Corey's kind of you know he's turning into like you know his serial killer ways, and you know Michael's yeah. like starting to feel better, and now they're starting to kind of come out at the same time and. It, it's just they're they're kind of getting in the way of each other, and then by the time you get to Lori and Michael's confrontation, you really don't care. Like I, yeah. I really, it wasn't that, it wasn't that climactic to me. It's because like, it, it doesn't feel like it's built up enough, right? Yeah, like, exactly. We're, we're focused on Corey yep, for most Corey. of this movie, mm-hmm. which you know, you we start getting. I was heavily involved in him as a character. I, I was like hoping, but, yeah. And that's the thing. And then suddenly it's like, oh, wait, wait a minute. We got to get back to Michael. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you got to get back to Lori, like, too. You got to get back to Lori. Um, and then Lori's, ha- I mean, like, I, and maybe she thought, like, maybe I was, like, you know, Lori's character is like, maybe I was too paranoid. Maybe I was too. But I mean, then, you know, then the house, the, the, the climax happens at her house. But I mean, I feel like there, 2018 had a better climax confrontation with, you know, with her, like, you know, whatever her facility thing was, or I don't call mm-hmm. it her house. It's like a facility almost. Like, uh, I feel like that compound. was a better, the compound. <laughs> I feel like that was a better confrontation than obviously the the end of the trilogy. So it, it, it it's just like, I think you both hit the nail on the head. I don't think they, they didn't know what they were doing from the get go in terms of the trilogy with the plot. And I think that the plot elements just got like scattered everywhere like you have like mm-hmm. climax you know part three stuff and in, in, in kills and then you have like this epilogue stuff and ends which really doesn't yeah. do anything but then you know you do get some character exploration so it's it's definitely better than kills in my opinion mm-hmm. but it, it's it's very um i think what it would keep me from enjoying it is just it's very anticlimactic like there there is no climax to me in this movie yeah. like even at the end when you know like he he does die, so to speak. It's it's kind of like it, it's drawn out. You know what I mean? Like you, especially yeah. with the crowd carrying his body and then putting oh, him God. through that. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I that was so goofy. Yeah. yeah, and like you're you have the police officers just letting it happen. Like no one's doing. Like it's it's just too real over quick. The top. Isn't there a scene where they're like, no, this is what has to be done. Like uh, the officer, like the sheriff, lieutenant. What I was yeah. I was just gonna say that. So yeah. one of the officers is like, we're not. This is not how we do it. And Sheriff Barker shows up. He's like, it is tonight. Like, I, 
So corny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too over the top. And it was just yeah, kind of dull. It, it wasn't like a client. Like I said, there's just no climax with the movie. So that, that's yeah. my problem with it. I think that David Gordon Green, he, he definitely, you know, he put his own twist on things, but I feel like mm-hmm. he didn't know where he wanted to go thematically and with the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if he if he did kind of like what Chase said, write it from the beginning and and stuck to it, I yeah. think then you would have had a much more cohesive trilogy. But that's that's not what mm-hmm. happened. So ends falls in something? the middle. Yeah, go ahead. In David Gordon Green's defense, I, he was a co-writer on Ends. I know him and McBride wrote. 2018 i don't know if they had more writers on kills and ends i think there was one other writer if i'm if i'm remembering there was somebody when i was searching it earlier when i brought that up i'll go back and look but there was somebody that went back and re uh did script rewrites got teams yep got teams teams. okay exactly Can i throw something at you guys so the whole because you guys we've talked about the scene with the other patient who ends up jumping off the uh the ledge like he jumps out the window what if what if they saved that for ends, but instead of that other patient, that's what happened to Corey, right? Like I feel like they could yeah. have played up that angle. Sure, yeah, a mob could have gone after Corey, thinking that he's Michael, right? And then he mm-hmm. ends up getting killed. Like I that I just thought of that when we were talking about it. Like that would have been really. It would have been not only a, a great culmination to Corey's arc, mm-hmm. but it would have been much more believable because you have this kid that's like affected by the events. Uh, that that happened, you know, when he kills the kid or accidentally kills the kid, I should say, and then he just goes down this dark path, and and maybe he runs into Michael like he does and ends right. That stays the same, and it it ends with him, you know, killing some of the people that he's killed, and then the mob goes after him, assuming he's Michael. I think that would have yeah. worked really well if they saved that for the the third movie, or, or you know, again rearranged it in a way that uh, would make it work. But mm-hmm. that idea. Is, uh, is I think that's a great idea, and it's like what we said. It's just you know the 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 if you're looking at this as a story arc, it's like it's all scrambled, right? And it's yeah. just like you're not really getting a cohesive story, and it's just all over the place. You don't get the climax where it's supposed to be. You don't really get any character development in the second one, which is where you should be developing the story in the second installment and developing mm-hmm. those characters. And it's like, no, we're going to save that for the third one when it's almost over. So yeah. it, it it just doesn't make sense. So, but but as a as a film. I think it is more well put together than Kills was. I think you do have like more character development. You have more story to go off of. Um, it's just anticlimactic to me and didn't give me the payoff that I wanted. So um, it, it's in the middle of the trilogy for me. I, I don't hate it. I don't love it. I'm just kind of like mixed feelings about it. Chase, yeah. what yeah, about like, you, man? Of course. You guys already know. I don't even have to say it. I like this one. <laughs> Mr. Hot Take. Oh, <laughs> I like this one. So... Um, yeah, and also because I was looking up the writing and stuff like that, this one apparently I don't find anything about rewrites or anything. But mm. it's interesting because I didn't know this. But David Gordon Green apparently, like I always use the like the three ice cream flavors for this trilogy. Apparently, that's exactly what he wanted. He wanted two to kills to be an action movie and this one to be a love story. But I think that's what instead of intermingling genres and intertwining them, which would have definitely benefited this series. Well, you just brought up like a a great idea, right? Like for the most part, there's already amazing aspects there. If you just rearrange like he, him, Danny McBride, great things there. You just rearrange some stuff. Um, and that'll get me to like how I feel about ends. 
if genuinely the boyfriend from 2018 and kills had been replaced with Corey Cunningham and you had even taken just like, what is mm. it? The first 15 minutes where he's in as the babysitter and stuff like that, sprinkle that into yeah. 2018, give the boyfriend yeah. a bit more of a, a, a character arc. You could have even cut the runtime and not really added much else outside of just replacing the characters themselves. And I think right. ends would have hit a lot better for people. Of course, mm-hmm. the older Michael aspect, um, I, I, I really do think that Corey Cunningham outside of Michael and Laurie Strode are one of the, is one of the strongest people introduced in a Halloween movie that I've seen. It's just they forced me to care about him. When you had a whole trilogy to get me to care about him, you wanted me to care about um, Laurie's granddaughter's boyfriend in the first two. He was yep. the most annoying person on the entire screen every single time he showed up. You know, if you had mm-hmm. had Corey Cunningham done this, 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 and this, you would have had a much more fruitful story. So then whenever you said four years later or even just articulated some things better, mm-hmm. I kind of like the weaker uh, Michael, but also with everything that was established in Kills, it makes zero sense, you know, to have the yep. weaker Michael because technically he should be omnipotent at this damn near point. He should be a god with how many people he mm-hmm. killed yep. and with that line in the first or in the second one. He shouldn't wounds like correct me if i'm wrong will but like just going back to some of the other ones and like how things are established like he's referred to as the shape because he's not human right like like it's alluded to in the later ones and i know it's only going off the original and it never really builds off of that but essentially the other ones make him seem like he's a demon that can't be killed right like Mm -hmm. i mean he's just not human so in this aspect whenever you give us that line in the second one and then you essentially get a dying michael myers but also at the same time, the more he goes and kills with Corey, you can notice he starts getting stronger again. You There's know? a whole scene in the sewer there too, like when he, uh, I think it's the cop, right? That, yeah. Like, one of Allison's like ex-boyfriends, the Mulaney guy. Uh, yeah, yeah. Officer Mulaney, I think. Um, yeah, he's trying he's, to follow he Corey. kills him in the sewer. And there's that whole thing where I think he, I, I because I watched it just last night and he starts like surging. Like, he's like, I don't know what it is. He's like getting his life force or whatever. But like Michael, like he's reacting to him killing him, you know, and he's it's like he's like remembering like, yeah, this is what it feels like to kill. Like, it's almost like whatever you want to call it, whether it's an adrenaline rush or whatever it Mm -hmm. is that that he's uh, he's getting out of it. I mean, yeah, they have like a whole moment that that focuses on that there. So, yeah, that's definitely part of their uh, explanation for for that. Right. With the. Yeah killing and, and transcending the more he kills. So. And I even just thought of this, as strong as 2018 was, if like some parts of this, like let's say Michael wasn't in, in 2018, wasn't inside the, the, the prison yard and stuff like that. Somebody yeah. st- stumbling across him 40 years later, just essentially rotting away in a sewer, even that's a still pretty decent plot line. Like if that's really what you yeah. wanted to do, mm-hmm. it's just everything you had did in the first two and what your explanations were. And I know I'm operating off of one damn sentence that Lori said, you know what I mean? Right. But that's such a pivotal role you know, or a pivotal line in that, like, because it really does make sense, right? Yeah. Um. I again, I can't go on enough about how much I like Corey. Of course, there were things mm. that could have been done differently. I think he's a very strong character that just needed. I he needed the trilogy, not one movie, to be yeah. built on for me to care more yeah. for what happens. It's just like you guys said. Like, here's Michael. And I'm a little bit different, but agree with the final one um, because you have two – because this one's four years later. So whenever it comes to everything, the way that it operates and works, like when he, he essentially is christened on on that table – or crucified, my bad. 
he's crucified on that table. Um, you know, he gets one hand like this, I believe, with a butcher knife, and then another one with like mm-hmm. some type of pokey object on the on like the wooden table in the kitchen. I think it's another on. knife. Oh, so it's yeah. two knives. Yeah. So, because yeah. yeah. doesn't he break? No, I might be thinking of a different movie. I don't think. Yeah, he, he breaks. Breaks. He breaks one. the the right hand to like choke her. Yeah, yeah, like when he's like almost out. You know. Yeah, I thought that was decent because like. The yeah. way that it came off as as much better as it could have been. I thought it was decent enough because you had two aging people. Lori, not as much, you know, but she did have her wounds, but that's never talked about in this one. I don't believe there's a mm-hmm. single line about how she recovered from the hospital and everything. I don't yeah. think they even talk about that. But I do got to mention something goofy. So when it comes to Lori Strode and that grocery store scene, they should have just taken that out whenever it comes like, look what you did and this and that. It's like, she didn't choose to be attacked by Michael Myers. She didn't choose to, you know what I mean? Like, of yeah. course, it ended up being the grander scheme of the community, which is the, his whole trilogy's plot line, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I just found that goofy. Like, and I get it. A lot of people like to um, victimize and blame other people, even the, even if they, they consciously know it's not necessarily their fault. She can't hope that her brother wants to kill her. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, it, it's a force of nature at that point. Like, He ain't her brother, bro. <laughs> oh, and this, this, yeah, so it's yeah, like, they took that away. Yeah, they took that away in this one. Right? Yeah, because yeah. that was well, established they, in part two, I think. Uh, really, 18, they actually that. make a joke. I think it's like, um, whoever the blonde girl is that's babysitting, like the uh, Julian in yeah. the first one, um, in 2018, they make like, it, what is it? Uh, the, her boyfriend who also ends up dying, he's like, oh, didn't he like. Isn't he your brother or something? And they're like, no, this oh, is yeah. a bunch of stuff I remember that when they're just up. like walking like, on the street. Yeah. yeah. Really? That one see that this this trilogy is full yeah. of that. That like I didn't yeah. even pick that up, but of course I'm over I remember here talking that, an yeah. entire movie about, you know what I mean? Is explained yeah. with that one sentence by Lori. I really mm-hmm. I honestly I think that's a dumb takeaway. Minus half star mm-hmm. to kills now. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, but, but yeah. what you said is perfect. I think that line, like, in again, I don't think a lot of people, like you said, they just didn't pay enough attention to that line. I like, zoned out. I was just so so zoned out in that movie just because I didn't, yeah. I just wasn't enjoying it. But by the time Lori's talking, <laughs> no, yeah. man, I don't fall asleep during movies, especially if I'm in the movie theater. But it's like, I was just like, I didn't care. I was just like, you know, Lori's yeah. talking in the hospital. I'm like, you're not out and about. You're just in the hospital. So I'm just like zoned out. I need to rewatch it probably, but probably yeah. not. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon <laughs> for Halloween. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, I think like, of course there, there, there would be need to be some reshoots with like the timeline and stuff, but like mm-hmm. David Gordon green out of the entire, like it runs just under four hour, four and a half hours with all of them collectively. I mean, yeah. if he were to just reorganize some things, possibly do some reshoots, I think he could have a damn near perfect trilogy with some of the ideas there, you know, just some yeah. restructuring and stuff like that, or at the very least an eight and a half, nine out of 10 collectively, uh, because there's some good ideas. There's some good execution, but it's just, they should have sat down just like it says they initially wrote them back to back and we're going to film them back to back. So they had the script for kills, but there's a three year gap between 18 and whenever it was released in 2021 for kills. And yeah. It's just you can tell they did did some remodeling and some restructuring, which of course the pandemic's going to cause that. You know, get you thinking, trying to do something a little bit different, and especially with the way films were shot at that point. You know, there were some things that had to be done a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's how I feel about Ends. I think it's a great movie, or I wouldn't say great. I think it's really really good. Um, I like Corey a lot. I just think he really needed to be introduced way earlier than the opening scene in the very very in the third one. You know, yeah. like I needed to see him at some point somewhere in the first two for me to care more than I did. 
just point blank yeah. on that one. You and know what the it, other gripe is for me? One? The the band kids. Why are they like such? I've never encountered a band kid in my life that's been that much of an asshole. Like they were like, <laughs> hard, like they were like bullies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep. I expect it from like the football team or like the jocks, but like, damn, they were. Yeah, the band kids were different. I mean, it's four years later. Time changes everything, right? Maybe that's intentional. I don't know. Band kids are the new jocks. Look it up. Maybe that's a thing that David Gordon Green wanted to do. Like, yeah, let's make the band kids the assholes in this movie that like deserve to get it. (laughs) But I mean, this—it's what you guys said. This whole trilogy, I think it's—it has a lot of good ideas, and it's just if it was restructured, it it would like what you said, Chase. It could potentially be like an eight or nine out of ten. It's just the the idea, and I think that's what's frustrating about it. It's like the ideas are there; they're they're like in plain sight, but it's because they didn't write it all all in one take that that's this is what you get. And I think studios need to pay attention to that. You know what I mean? After Star Mm -hmm. Wars, after this, and potentially now with like Exorcist, you know, Believer, it's like. I, I know you guys didn't write that trilogy out. You just did that one movie, and now <laughs> you're shooting yourself yeah. in the foot with like whatever you're going to do for the second installment. So I think that they they really need to learn, like, yeah, write it out. You know, pull a Lord of the Rings if you can, and just write everything out and get it done. So um, yeah. I, I I don't have the physical. I have I have 2018 in terms of physical releases. I know you uh, well. You just got the the Steelbook set that just came out. Um, I don't know if yeah. you want to talk about that a little bit. And I was tempted, I was bringing this up to you guys earlier, I was tempted to buy that Steelbook set just because it looks really fucking badass. It looks cool. <laughs> it does, I yeah. think it looks really, really Ooh. cool. And it's just, I just, oh man, this, it's Do you just have handy ends. I don't have yeah, it do you in have hand. It? It's, oh, okay. No, I, it's on my, I can grab it in a second. If uh, Do you have it with you, Chase? I know you have it too. Oh, the um, Steelbook? No, I didn't buy that. I have the slips. Oh, oh, oh I thought, you yeah, slips, hold on one second. It. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's let Will go uh, get it so we could see it. But I mean, they did a great job with that set, man. Just the whole like the actual uh, like the the case itself is like a steel book, and the mm-hmm. artwork is super dope. And it's just like you know when you lay them all out, kind of like it's. it's I think cool if I remember, it's cover. like yeah, it's, it's like you have you Michael. have the house in the middle, and then uh, Lori and Michael like staring at each other. They did, they did a great and the orange tone. It was like whoever did the art on that steel book. Uh, trilogy needs a needs a raise. <laughs> needs a raise. I'm for gonna sure. try to do this without like hitting my mic here. But yeah, this I would say I I bought the Rambo set uh, a while back, like the five movie Rambo mm-hmm. set. So this has similar packaging to that. It's got like the curved edges. I don't know if you guys can see that. that oh, yeah. see, that looks so cool. That's like the Superman set. Really cool. That came with the curved. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, the vibe of the artwork yeah. it's like just speaks Halloween. You get the kids trick or treating yeah. on the back here. Damn. Halloween trilogy on the side, and then I like how they do this cool thing with like the foam kind yeah. of insert here. Yeah, they did that with the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's really well done. Surprisingly, like shout out to Best Buy. I, I don't know who packaged this, but they deserve a raise because it actually <laughs> came with no dings whatsoever. <laughs> no dings, no dents, no nothing. They didn't play so, hockey yeah, with it. We got first movie. Damn. Yeah. Ah oh, man. Michael on the back and the front. That's really cool. And then with kills, we have a shot of the house. You that's see, even just dope. that, like by itself, like you would think, like yeah. who would want oh, a house? him coming out the fire? Yeah, that's fire. Uh, in the back. Wait, Ooh, okay, cool. so Will, so I've seen it where you have the yeah. house, Michael, and Jamie. Does the back form a different picture, or is it different for each one? You know, yeah, I've seen it where they are just... facing each other with a house in the middle. That's yeah. I'm gonna try to do that. I don't have three hands, so let me see what I can. <laughs> yeah. Do well, we're just no. curious in the back if the yeah if the does back it form has any... a picture. 
Yeah, because yeah, there's, there's Lori. Oh, okay. Michael, so it's all three different Michaels. Oh, that's still in front sick. Of the sewer. That's Sewer Michael. That's fucking cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, Sewer Michael. Yeah. So, it really good. I mean, they did a fantastic job with this set. I mean, I know we talked about the first film not being on a, on a BD-100 disc. I mean, that's really my only complaint. I think there's like a typo on the uh, certification yeah, yeah, of authenticity, or like a couple <laughs> of those we, we pointed out. Yeah. So those are kind of funny. I don't know if they're going to reissue those. Probably not. But Oh, like the little paper certification? They missed yeah, it. Ended up, I didn't hear about it. What happened? Are you serious? <laughs> yeah, I got it right here. Hold on. Let's take a look at this. <laughs> oh, no. How many uh, How many were uh, produced? 3,000? The... No, it's so 5,325. Oh, That's so exact. So I, I have, have a feeling that this could be on clearance. Oh, Who knows? I have oh, three. You had a low three, one. Yeah, 363. Um, yeah, so I'll read it to you guys. It says, This limited edition steelbook collection has been created in celebration of the culmination okay, of the Halloween trilogy. Inspired by iconic horror villain Michael Myers. That's Myers with M-E-Y-E-R-S, not M-Y-E-R-S. So yeah. I think they spelled the last name wrong there. That's crazy. How do they yeah, pass it, uh, quality? <laughs> I don't know how well you guys can even see this. Oh, I can see it perfect probably, on mine. At least. Yeah. Probably like yeah, the, right there. Yeah. But... <laughs> yep. That's crazy. Yeah. It includes all three movies, folks. Inc so, yeah. but include. So yeah, there's two Inc typos there. Two typos, <laughs> couple of typos. I mean, it's still cool, you yeah. know. Yeah. I mean, cool. I like, You're just not... kind of time to time. I just kind of. It's one of those things. It's like really like. Come on. Just... Yeah. I mean, it happens with everything. I mean, I got that Oppenheimer screenplay, and there's like some typos in it, and I was like, this yeah. is crazy. But yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, if you're a Halloween fan, like, and you guys know, I don't, I think the trilogy is a mixed bag. I still pick this up because it's still mm -hmm. a Cooper, a uh, super cool set to f have on your shelf. Yeah. Um, I have the individual steelbooks too, but I'm glad that they did this because the individual steelbooks as as much as they are cool, like the artwork on them isn't, you know, cool. it doesn't go together. No, it yeah. does. Yeah. I think it's different. First one has like McFarlane art, which is really well done. Mm -hmm. And then I think the second one just has Michael on the cover with yeah. the knife and it has Halloween kills. And then I think yeah. the third one was actually cool. It's like him holding the knife with like um, orange and black paint kind of dripping down, which is cool. Oh, I yeah. remember those. It was, it was two different but, ones for the last one, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think for the last, I forget what the yeah, other Lori, one was. It was Lori. I think it was like yeah, right, Lori or something. Yeah. But again, they don't just, they don't go with the other movies. They're all kind of separate art. So I'm yeah. glad that they did the box for people that want Plus, it looks glossy. Is it like glossy? It's not like matted. It looks like the, the artwork. Yeah. No, it's glossy. glossy. Yeah. It's glossy. And you don't, you yeah. don't get that too much. Like I always, I mean, I per personally prefer like the steelbooks. Like I like them glossy. I mean, there's some matted ones that are kind of cool. But yeah. um, with Best Buy recently, like most of them are always like matted. Um, and yeah. it's cool to kind of get the whole set like nice and glossy. Yeah. yeah that looks super cool. That's fucking there awesome. There you go. I pick it up right now. It's like seventy seven ninety nine. I see the price on it. Yeah. Best Buy. I'm like, I'm wondering. I'm like, if I if I saw it, like if you know, Best Buy's, you know, they're closing out their four Ks. I'm like, if there's one on the <laughs> shelf for like forty bucks or something, I'm I'm gonna cop it. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah, because I missed yeah, out on that Rambo set. Nice so I want to get that. Piece. You know, even if you don't like the movies, I think it. You mm -hmm. know, to have a, a steelbook collection, there's not many of these, right? So yeah, yeah. You know, for them to make one for this is is pretty cool. So. Yeah, they did great work with it. So, um, how would we I rank think, them? Uh, I th yeah, I mean the rank. It looks like me and Will ranked them the same. I think we said 2018 is the top one, ends is the middle, and kills is the the bottom tier for us. What, what about you, Chase? I think they get better as they go on. Like wow. as so much as I like kills, I just yeah, it's like so when I watch movies, 
like, so I, I think I might experience movies just a tad bit differently than other people. I feel like, so like when it came to ends, I was enjoying it because of how much it, like, I, I don't bag on it, you know? Oh, wow. Mm. This is what they did. I'm, I'm getting excited. I was like, man, had they just did this and I get more excited at like the trilogy I'm playing in my head. You know what I mean? Right. I know that that sounds kind of lame cause I should be just taking it for what it is, but I had a fun time watching it and analyzing it that way. So, like, yeah. I like one a lot, you know, or 18 a lot, two a lot, and then three. I just really, if they had just fleshed out Corey Moore, it would have been my favorite out of it. I just think that yeah. they do get slightly better as it goes on, as much issues as they have. But with what is presented there and the way that it could just be slightly restructured, I think there is a pretty damn good trilogy there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, we all agree on that. I think, you know, if you kind of take it apart and reconstruct it, you, you have something really, really well done, you know? And, and yeah. I've said, uh, there's aspects of each movie that I really enjoy. Um, I just think 2018 for me, and Gabe will probably agree, like overall, I think it's it's the most cohesive, right? I think yeah, that it sure. has the most going for it in terms of overall quality, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not saying there's great things that, you know, there's great things to be taken from, from kills and ends. They, they both have moments that are really, really well done and things about them that really stand out. And again, I mean, shout out to David Gordon Green for like having the balls to like be creative and take a different direction with, with the third movie. I don't think that's said enough, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, he got a lot of like unnecessary flack from people for that movie. And, you know, it, it we got to understand it's like his vision and, and what he felt was the best course of action and like where he wanted to take it. And we have to at least respect him for trying to do something different. Right. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of moments where you can tell there was a lot of attention to detail. Um, so we have to we have to shout that out because I, I think at the end of the day, he is a fan of the original movie and like for him to mm-hmm. like advocate for bringing Carpenter back into the fold, he he wanted him there to be a part of that. So you can tell that he cares about um, the characters and the material that he's, he's trying to work with. So, yeah. And yeah, when absolutely. you compare it to the, like I said, the other sequels that we've, we've had, you know what I mean? Like we're, we're kind of like critiquing this within its own, you know, space as a, as yeah. a trilogy, but when you compare it to other installments, I mean, he, he, knocks it out of the park when you compare to other stuff. <laughs> for sure um absolutely it's like yeah so we got to give him credit where credit's due i, I don't want to like bag on the guy i think he's he's obviously passionate about it um and you know that passion you you can definitely see it and i think you know he 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 followed through with the the vision that he had with it you know what i mean and and mm-hmm. um I'll, I'll give him credit for that even though i know kills and ends kind of like were mid for me they weren't the best but i think that you know compared to what we the other halloween installments that we've had it's it's definitely way better just wish that passion had carried over to exorcist believer let's not talk about exorcist <laughs> Believer. come on man really <laughs> you know what maybe i should talk crap about david gordon green a little bit more no um, I, I mean i like it i mean yeah to yeah. say he's not passionate I just, that was just a fun little jab like i mean he's a super 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 passionate guy like yeah i think he's one of those people that like what he does is like he won't do it without you know having some some type of attachment to it you know like mm-hmm. for somebody to even pick up this and say hey i'm doing a new trilogy of course there would be you know maybe some up and coming directors that would um absolutely froth at the mouth to have the opportunity to direct all three installments in a trilogy you know um like i know damian leone wants to revive friday the 13th but for david gordon mm-hmm. green to be already an established director and then being like I can, he could genuinely have made or break, broken his career, you know, like if he yeah. had just absolutely, you know, 
let's say all three of them are bad. Like I know I'm I'm in the minority of liking kills, and I know there's some there's more people that um that are more mixed on ends than people that just generally don't like kills. You know, like I'm on the opposite end, and a majority of people like 2018. If all three of them have been a mixed bag, I think it would have been a lot more lukewarm reception than like the kind of the conversation that we're having, where like a lot of people do find the fun and understand like where he was going. Mm-hmm. But the dude is just filled with passion, you know, yeah, uh, his 100%. writing, everything. And he, to a degree in the first one, understood the character. So, I, yeah, I definitely want to give him props on that one. Um, yeah, because and he's also clearly, with everything I've been reading, like clearly a mega John Carpenter fan. You know, mm-hmm. like even Halloween aside, he just looks up to him. And um, parts of Christine even influenced Halloween Kills and Halloween Ends, which, I mean, I'm trying mm-hmm. to think about that. Like I can think some of it, but. The dude is just a massive Carpenter fan, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Passion is definitely there, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's going to wrap things up, guys. Um, I know this is uh, coming out on Halloween, so we want to wish everybody a very, very happy and safe Halloween. Uh, and we appreciate you guys for listening. Thank you, everybody. Evil dies tonight. <laughs> Well, that was a bitch, but now it's done.